Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Today, I want to speak to you on the subject of hope. I have been praying over this sermon series uh, for a number of uh, weeks. The Lord put it in my heart to speak on this topic of four anchors for 2019 to help us um, be not only grounded in the Lord, but to really focus in on these four Sundays and these scriptures to see what God is doing. You know, what's funny about an anchor, uh, I did some research about anchors, and what you notice is anchors are not uh, something to be taken lightly, literally. Sometimes an anchor can be as heavy as 20,000 pounds. If you don't know what an anchor is, an anchor is a weight that is dropped from a ship to keep the ship steady. And scripture actually teaches in a, a few spots and uses this imagery of Jesus being our anchor. In fact, the scripture for this uh, series of teachings that I'm focusing on is from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. But today, I want to read from verse 15 uh, through about verse 20. Uh, but before I do that, how many believe that God's promises bring hope? Do you believe that? You know, it's interesting because the start of the year is a time where we make a lot of resolutions. It's a time where you have new beginnings and a fresh start. Amen. Uh, the old has passed away. You start really preaching 2 Corinthians 5.17 and you say, look, I'm, I'm looking forward and I tend to be more of a positive person, you know. I tend to be a person that, that even now I'm like, did you know that there is about uh, less than 70 days till spring? See, when I was here in the summertime, you guys were saying, well, wait till wintertime. Now I'm telling you, wait till spring. See, Cleveland's not that bad of a place, is it? You got 70 days till spring. It's pretty nice out there. You know, my family lives in Toronto, and they've had snow and minus uh, weather. Uh, I mean, it is cold up on the other side of the lake. It's the same lake, Lake Erie. We're so blessed to be here, but the new year is a time, uh, and there's nothing wrong with making resolutions, but in 2019, I just made it a point over the last week as I was praying, fasting, believing God to do something not just out of my own resolve, out of my own strength, out of my own uh, intellect and emotions and writing down goals that... You know, as I'm writing them down, I'm already scared. <laughs> Am I going to be disappointed at the end of the year? It's not even the start of the year, right? And, uh, and the Lord just told me it's time to make daily choices. It's time to make daily choices. You know, the Bible teaches us that His mercies are what? New. At the start of the year, at the end of the year, in the middle of the year, every morning. And I want to encourage you, no matter what is happening in your life, to say that God promises to bring hope. And a lot of times, that's what the enemy does. The first thing he steals, I believe, from followers of Jesus, is not your belief, it's not your resolve, it's not the fact that you don't know Scripture or not, you know the importance of the Word of God, it's not the fact that you stop coming to to church, which may eventually happen, or get away from Christians or whatever, which may eventually happen. The first thing that the enemy does is he steals your hope. He makes you question what God said. In fact, if you look at the book of Genesis, that's exactly what the enemy did to Adam and Eve. So did God really say that? And what he was saying was, Look, there may be something else on the other side. And that's what the enemy does. It starts with this place of stealing hope in your life. Where you get to a place of complacency. And I believe one of the anchors 
that we have to restore in our lives and in the body of Christ is this concept of hope. And it's not manufactured hope. You know, it's not pretending like nothing else is going on in your life. But it's a hope that is founded on the word and the person of Jesus. So let's read Hebrews chapter 6, 15 to 20. Uh, Verse 15 says this, And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. What was the promise? For people swear by something greater themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. You know, it's funny. Abraham was promised something from God. He really was. In fact, he was told he was going to have a child at a really, really, really old age. (laughs) In fact, sometimes that's what God's promises are like, isn't it? It sounds so naturally impossible. You can go to the doctor and ask them, can I get healed when you have cancer? And the doctors, whether it's liability or not, they may say, hey, no, you got so many months. But you can go up to God and say, God, can I be healed from cancer? And what's his answer? See, so many times to operate in the supernatural Does that make sense? The supernatural. You have to believe God and what he said. That's what Abraham was really good at. When God gave him a promise, he just patiently waited. Verse 15, it says, And thus Abraham, having what? Patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Some of us, we need to have some patience. Some of us, you know, Jesus told you you were going to be an evangelist. Last week, and you're ready. You're ready to get your private jet, fly all over the, the globe, start preaching the good news. You're ready to make that money for the gospel, of course, right? Because <laughs> you're going to give it away, right, at this stage. And uh, you're, you're, you're not good at waiting. Some of us, God has promised us a child. And you're a couple in here, and you're waiting. Some of the single people in here, you're probably saying, you know, Pastor, and you don't have to be waiting for a husband or a wife because, you know, that is not what defines you. Jesus is who defines you as a, as a single person. But some of you might be like, God, when is, when is this person coming? Sometimes, yeah, we got some people in the front row right here. That was the worship leader, I believe. <laughs> Just so you guys know, any single guys in here, you know, you know. Now you know. But we can get into a place of where God gives us promises and we don't have patience. We've got to have a little bit more patience. Verse 16 says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation, you know, The writer in the book of Hebrews is giving a comparison here. He said, you know, God is the God who keeps promises, and sometimes as people, we tend to having, you know, when we make promises to each other, we always have to have a sense of confirmation. But God is not that way. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who you don't trust or they don't trust you, and they ask you to trust them. I'm just giving you a hint. If someone asks you to trust them, Don't trust them. (laughs) This is what that scripture is saying. The writer is saying, look, God is trustworthy because if you wait patiently on him, he keeps his promises. He's not like people where you need to do this pact and you got to shake hands and you got to write a contract up and you got to make sure all of the little fine print is good and then things happen. When God says something, you can take it to the bank. You can trust what he's saying. You can trust the word of God. So in verse 17, so when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, so not only to Abraham, but to Abraham's children, okay, he does what? The heirs of his promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Come on. God is not a God who just speaks things. God is not a God who just says things. 
God who's a God who actually guarantees on himself. Think about it. Why does God need to guarantee what he is saying? Because he knows we need guarantees. I don't know if you watch TV. You know, sometimes, sure, across the Christmas break, you probably did. They say, you know, if you call right now, we will double your offer. And sometimes there is a money-back guarantee. In fact, some of you guys love Walmart for that reason, because they will take anything back. That's where I shop, Pastor, because even if I use it for 45 days, I can take it back. You shouldn't be doing that, first of all. But the truth is, we live in a place, and we are humans, and we are men and women, we think that guarantees make it better. That's what God was saying in verse 17. Look, you know, to be a little bit more convincing of this promise of hope, I am not only going to say that I'm a man who keeps my promise, but I'm actually going to make an oath. It was an amazing thing that we have. A God who not only makes promises to us, but a God who says, I will come through. How many of you guys, and you don't have to raise your hands, have a promise that you have been waiting for for years? See, I have one of those promises. In fact, it flares up. It's something I pray about all the time. It's a request that I pray about for one of my family members. And I've been praying for over 13 years. And it flares up. And I say, God, where are you? And God reminded me as I was in this scripture, his promises are yes and amen. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 1 teaches us, that God is trustworthy. Did you know that? God can be trusted with the promises that he makes. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement, come on, to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. What is that? You know, I love that he said of the soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. He didn't say your spirit. He said your soul. You have this sure, steadfast hope in your soul. What is that? A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. God's promises bring hope. God's Promises bring hope. That's something we've got to get in our spirit today. You know what's amazing about the scripture? It says that Jesus actually is ahead of us. When God makes you a promise, guess who is ahead of you? God. Sometimes we think that it's on us to perform. I better not sin. I better be good. I better check off that list. Or God's going to be upset when really it is Jesus ahead of us as a forerunner pulling us towards the promises of God. You know what's amazing about an anchor? It's simple. Sometimes we think when we've got to be anchored in Jesus, we've got to work. We've got to work hard. Some of you guys are scared already. Pastor's got an illustration. Everyone relax. You can take a deep breath. I'm not going to have any volunteers this, this time. Sometimes, yeah, some people are po- pointing at Eric there. Sometimes that we think that we have to work hard and we are holding on to the promises of God and we have to drag these promises around with us with our own efforts. Yeah, sometimes you'll tip it over. Sometimes you'll mess it up. But the scripture, this scripture teaches us that who is our anchor? You know what's amazing? We know that answer, don't we? Who is our anchor? So when God gives us a promise, what are we holding on to? It's the amazing thing about this anchor. 
You can't move it. This anchor named Jesus, you can't move him. When you are really anchored in Jesus, you're not worried about the storms of life that's going to push you away a little bit. Life may get a little crazy. Life may get a little wild. There may be some stress, amen? There may be some discouragement, amen? There may be some doctor's reports that you got, amen? And you can hold on to who? See, but fear sometimes keeps us away from recognizing who needs to be holding us. So we tend to get into a performance mentality like the, the writer in the book of Hebrews is saying, of saying, well, well God, you gave me this promise, just like Abraham, don't I need to be doing things? And the truth is, no, you don't. See, 2019, you got to start 2019 with a perspective that's a little different. You got to start seeing Jesus as the hope, as the, hang, as the anchor, as the scripture teaches us. You got to start seeing this place as being sturdy. You got to start seeing this person named Jesus, the savior of the world, the person who you pray to, you worship to, as being so steadfast and firm that you can trust. You know, life brings discouragement, doesn't it? 2019 is going to bring discouragement. There, I told you. It's out. 2019 is going to bring hardships. 2019 may bring broken dreams. But when you're holding on to Jesus, through the good and the bad, God is holding you steady. You know what's amazing about an anchor when you drop an anchor from a boat? It doesn't matter what's going on in the surface. That boat is not going anywhere. It can be stormy. It can be real nice and pretty. It can be beautiful out there. The weather is good. That boat is not going anywhere. That is what the scripture says. We know and have strong encouragement to hold fast to what? The hope said before us, we have this sure. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say sure. And steadfast anchor of the soul. You know, some of us, we need that. We need to know that. We need to know, look, God, I, I, I probably do need to lose some weight. Praise God. I probably do need to show up on time to my workplace. I sh probably sure do need to grow in my personal goals and have a few things that I'm writing down. Praise God. Somebody say amen. amen. I probably do need to have a budget. <laughs> I probably do need to save some money for the future. I probably do need to stop eating fast food all the time. Come on, somebody. These are all good things, but this will not change your life. It may make it feel better. Praise God. Smoothies are awesome. You're missing out on the steak, but hey, smoothies are awesome, you know? But the things that matter are spiritual in nature. The things that need to be resolved in our spirit have to be an anchor to Jesus. So when you go and make your resolutions, maybe some of you guys have already done this. I know I have made a few. I am making resolutions that are attached to who? I am not making up things on my own. See, in America, we have this tendency, and it's a really good tendency, to be a better me, to look better, to feel better, to have a better IQ, or, well, you can't have a better IQ, but to have a better way of thinking, right? To be a better person, to have better morals, to have better life. In fact, one of the top-selling books from a pastor is Your Best Life Now. We don't need to be better. We need to have Jesus part of our better. And every decision we make will become better. Because who is the best? Jesus. See, when, when you're attached to Jesus... You're attached to the best. Your life becomes better because you're attached to the best. It's amazing sometimes we feel like we need to be the one 
holding the anchor, don't we, sometimes in life? It would be like if we were in Lake Erie and you saw a 50-foot yacht or sailboat (laughs) and uh, you saw the guy who's actually on the sailboat and he's holding on to the anchor just with chains. Sometimes when when I think about what the Lord sees in our lives, I sometimes think that's what he's doing. He's seeing us holding on to the anchor. Imagine going by that table and be like, hey man, what are you doing? And the person's like, I'm holding on to the anchor to make sure that this, this ship doesn't capsize. See, that's how ridiculous it looks when we are trying to hold on to life. It looks like we are telling Jesus Hey, Jesus, I need to hold on to you, which is good, but I'm actually, you are holding, I'm holding on to you. You know, it's amazing when I think about what Jesus says in this scripture, in Hebrews chapter 6. It says that it's a sure and steadfast, what, anchor to the, it is a direct connection, a direct connection to who we are. You know, your relationship with Jesus can be a lot easier if you just allow Jesus to be Jesus and you stop trying to be God. A lot of times we have this tendency that when we are waiting with hope to go ahead and say, Jesus, I think you need a little help. Jesus, I, I think... I think you need to speed it up a little bit. I know you're the anchor and everything, but I'm okay with with you being the anchor, but waiting? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about what do you do when you're waiting with hope? What do you do when you're overwhelmed with life? What do you do... When you see all around, it's 2019, you're like, Pastor, I got to be honest, my life is not going to be any different. What do you do? Here's the first thing. In overwhelming times, we need to place our hope in a never-changing God. Never-changing God. See, verse 17 and 18 tells us this. And some of us, we're already in that place where we're like, God, we know you don't change. But the fact is, we have not placed our hope in him. We know he's a good God and a good father, and we're just singing that song. And praise God, the offering basket is going by us, and we're giving our tithes and offerings, and we're faithful. But we have not placed our hope in Jesus See, in overwhelming seasons of life, and you may be in one right now, or you may not be, but you will be eventually, we need to place our hope in a never-changing God. See, God is steadfast. He is unmovable. He is unshaken. Verse 17 and 18 says this, So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose... Not our purpose, his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. These are two unchangeable facts for 2019. Are you ready? Number one, God's promises. They will never change. It don't matter what the temperature of the room is. It don't matter where you're working, where you live, what part of the country you're from, what's your background, how much money you have in the bank or not. God's promises are unchangeable. So let me ask you a question. I used to do this a lot when we were younger. Right before the start of the new year, we used to seek God for his promises. In fact, uh, the way I grew up, we had a little jar. (laughs) 
And uh, they had colored pieces of paper in the jar, laminated, really small, so you could put it in your wallet. And they would have promises. And right before January 1st, this ball would be passed around. (laughs) I know it sounds tacky, but we would pick a promise of God. And we would look at it like a fortune cookie, you know, it's like a Christian version of a fortune cookie, except there's no cookie, it's just fortune, which the cookie is the best part, but anyways. Uh, and you pick it up, and you read it, and you take it to heart, okay? It's such a simple thing. But how many of us have asked the Lord, God, what are, what are your promises for 2019? We are six days in. Have we asked Jesus, God, what do you want to accomplish through my life this year? What are the goals I've got to be making this year? Hey, Jesus, uh, thank you for another year. I can't believe it's 2019. I thought I'd be long gone by now, but praise God, we've got another year, another year of bills and another year of miracles that you have to do, right? But God, what, 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 what do you want for my life? See, so many times we don't know God's promises, We blame God halfway through the year and say, God, the truth is, you're unreliable. When we don't even know what the direction for the year should have been. See, I have to be honest with you. I thought about preaching a message on giving you the direction for 2019. Actually giving you five or six things. And the truth is, I cannot dictate that for you. We'll get up here, we'll have a good time. We'll shout and dance and do illustrations, and then you're going to leave right out the door. (laughs) And you're going to be next Sunday be like, Pastor, how do I survive? (laughs) And then I give you a little bit, and you're like, okay, praise God. You know, I'm going to show up on Wednesday night because they got the prayer and fasting thing. Get a little bit of a boost, and then show back up on Sunday and be like, how do I survive? We can't do this, folks. If you are a follower of Jesus, it is so crucial to know what his promises are. Because why? Because God's promises are completely reliable. So when he says something to you, you can take it to the bank. Number two, God's purpose is unchangeable for 2019. God's purpose for your life and for mine is unchangeable in 2019. See, God provides us the assurance and the firmness our souls need. Did you know that? You know when you feel lonely and tired and angry and hungry and a whole bunch of other emotions in your life? That's part of a soul issue. Did you know that? We're about to do fasting and prayer. And already some of you guys are like, I hope he doesn't do a sign up for fasting. I'll pray. But don't do fasting. What does fasting do? It brings our body in alignment with the hunger spiritually to saying to God, God, I desire you more than food. And believe me, I love food. So if you're fasting just to not eat, you're not going to get anything from fasting. But if you are taking the time that you usually eat in prayer, in fasting, And saying to the Lord, Lord, I I give my life to you. Speak to me. I cannot move an inch without you. Guess what happens? Something supernatural happens. Something spiritual happens. God's purposes come alive in your heart and life. You know, whenever we get into depression, whenever we get into financial crisis, whenever we get into discouragement, whenever we get into fear, whenever we get into lust, whenever we get into compromise, We can take this to the bank that God's promises and God's purpose for 2019 will not change. You can even walk away from it, but it will not change for your life. I plead with you this start of 2019. Would you say yes to God's purposes? Would you say yes to God's promises? Romans 8, 35 to 39 says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Notice he said, who? And then he goes and says, Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, 
or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how much the purpose of, of God is available for your life. That's how much the promises of God is available for your life. You know, it's amazing is we have to make a decision this morning. And that decision is, are we going to let Jesus be Jesus, or are we going to go ahead and make something else our anchor? Are we going to go ahead and make our talent the anchor? Are we going to go ahead and say, you know what? I'm a pretty educated person. I really don't need Jesus. I really don't. I can play the keys. I can hang in there. Do I really need Jesus? I mean, I know I'm a worship leader and I'm a musician and, you know, I got to do my Jesus thing, but do I really need Jesus? I mean, I got a PhD. Do I really need Jesus? Some of us, we brought so much stuff from last year into this year, and you've pushed so many people away relationally, and you've set your anchor on this thing called unforgiveness. And everywhere you go, you're dragging it. This is what it looks like, unforgiveness as an anchor. You're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, and you're walking into 2019 with unforgiveness. See, the truth is, Jesus says to us today, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. It's time to let go of the talents. It's time to let go of our intellect. It's time to let go of thinking about things too much. It's time to place this anchor and say, Jesus, you are the anchor. You are the anchor of my life. Without you, I am nothing. Without you, I cannot do anything. Without you, there is no purpose. Without you, there are no promises that are reliable. Without you, nothing I can trust will stand. But with you, Jesus, I can trust you. I know that even though there is discouragement, even though there is unforgiveness and people have done things to me, even though, God, that there is education and talent and giftedness, God, even though there is money or whatever the situation is, God, I know you will lead me steady. You will lead me steadfast. You know that word, fast, means firm, something you can hold on to. It was years ago. When I was a kid, there was this merry-go-round playground in, in Kuwait, in the middle of a desert. It's all broken up. But there was this one little wooden, broken, merry-go-round playset thing in the middle of the playground. And I remember uh, my brother, who's younger than me, he wanted me to jump on there. You know, when you're younger, you always want to do things for your older siblings. I don't know what happened when you grow up. You know, I wish that still continued. But he said, no, it's, you know, I want you to get up there. And he began to go ahead and spin this merry-go-round. I mean, and I'm like, Kenneth, don't do it. He was a little kid. I was about six, he was about five. I said, don't do it, man. You're going to get hurt. And he's just doing it with all of his strength, trying to impress his big brother. He gets it going. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's doing good. He's doing good. And like your flywheel, this thing starts taking off, taking off, taking off, taking off, taking off. And all I hear is silence. I'm like, Kenneth, where are you? And I'm spinning around. And I can't hear him. I can't hear him. And all of a sudden, I hear this faint sound. Help. Help. 
help. And I'm like, what is going on? I'm all dizzy, coming off the merry-go-round as a six-year-old. I'm like, someone stole my brother. How can this happen? I was like, my parents are going to be so mad at me. You know, that's the first thing you think as a kid. You're not even worried about your brother as much as your parents being mad at you. You know, you're just trying to survive. Lo and behold, I looked over and there was Kenneth underneath the merry-go-round on the inside in a little two-by-three spot. He spun it so hard, he lost his grip, and he got on the inside, and he was yelling at me to stop the thing because he was trying to not get hit by the mechanics on the inside of the merry-go-round. See, that's, that's what life can do to us. If we try to hold on to it, just like my brother, it can spin you around. It can toss you, and you don't even know where you're at. See, it's time that we start another year and say, look, I am not going to be spinning around anymore. Some of us, we need to say that to ourselves. We need to make a decision and say, you know what? I need to start saying this two-letter word more often. What is it? You guys are good. Some of you guys need to have more margin in your life. Some of you, you're like, you know, church should be a priority. It should. Because, not because the pastor said so, because you want to be in the house of the Lord and the Bible teaches so. Some of us, we need to actually go ahead and make a decision to get our house in order in 2019. And how does that happen? Just bring Jesus into the mix. Hold on to Jesus and see what he can do in your emotions, in your finances, in your mental capacity. See what he can do. See, some of us, we do need to admit to ourselves that we need help, professional help. Some of us, we do need counseling. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of us, we need to admit it, that you are an angry person. And people know it. And that is not who you are. You need to go see some counseling. Some of us, we just need to smile a little bit more. You know how that all happens? It's not because I just sit here and I start going through a list and put it on my schedule and make things happen. It does not work that way. It is a soul issue. It is an anchor issue. You have to be anchored in Jesus. That's number two. Our anchor must be Jesus. Our anchor must be Jesus. Where does assurance come from? It comes from the anchor. And his name is Jesus. See, the assurance doesn't come from the fact that we got a big boat on the surface, that we are who we are. The assurance comes from the anchor to whom we are attached, to whom we can trust and say yes and amen to. The assurance doesn't come from what's on the surface. See, in verse 19, the writer of Hebrews chapter 6 says this, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. You know what's amazing? In Psalm 62, 5 to 6, the psalmist writes, for God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, and I shall not be shaken. I've had a crazy week and a half, to be frank with you. I feel like the enemies tried to get at me. Some of you guys know this. Half of my family got sick within three days, and Audrey was hospitalized, and she's doing better, praise God, a miracle in the making. She's home, and we were out of town, so that made it even crazier, and Aria uh, was the only one who's not sick, which is surprising to us, you know? 
she's the one in elementary school. You know, you would think she'd be the one in sick. And in this season, I had this choice to make. And it wasn't choice to just pretend like nothing's going on. Oh, praise God, brother. Everything's going to be okay. It wasn't this choice to be like, well, a pastor has to say everything is fine. Everything is good. But it was a choice minute by minute in the stresses of the moment. When I'm catching a plane to come in last weekend to preach at a praise party. How many of you guys were here? I mean, boy, did we praise God. People dancing, people getting crazy. I mean, there was all kinds of stuff going on. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, in fact, the keyboard player last week, uh, Rachel, told me, hey, I was playing underneath you the whole time. What did you think? I said, you were? You were playing underneath me the whole time? And see, there's this place in the moment that God gives grace to. And this place is an assurance. Do you understand? It's an assurance that God is in control. Some of us, we need that in our life. We need to go ahead and say, God, yes, you are the anchor. Yes, I'm saying yes to you. But you know what? I am going to go ahead and place my hope and assurance in you. That's what Psalm 62 said. For God alone, O my soul. Notice, he's talking to himself. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. We have to train ourselves to say our hope is from Jesus. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. Sometimes assurance can take different forms. In fact, if you are a person here uh, with a different temperament, a different experience, maybe even a different strength of faith, it can take on different forms. In fact, if you're, you know, sometimes when I talk about assurance with different people, uh, you, will, you will find that some people find it hard to be sure about anything. You know what I mean? And do you know that can impact how you look at God? If you are not a decisive person, naturally speaking, that's who God made you to be, do you know that you're not going to really decide on anything? See, your temperament, it makes a difference. Sometimes we have to align our temperament (laughs) to God's word and say, God, I don't really like making decisions, but your word says that your spirit is leading me, it's guiding me, so I trust your word and I'm making a decision today. Some of us in this new year, you have to do that. In 2019, you have to say, regardless of my personality, regardless of my temperament, I am saying yes to God. I am saying yes to what he's saying. Experience is another factor. Did you know that? Experience. You know, some people have a clear and decisive conversion experience. You know, some of you guys, you got easy, and it was easy, I mean, easily saved. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I just showed up at church when I was three years old, and got baptized when I was four and a half, and never left the pews, and Jesus is all I know, and it's all good. But some of us, you've had a long journey. And that makes a difference. That does make a difference. Because if you've had a long journey in, you know, to make that decision to follow Jesus, it was a progressive thing, do you know that it affects the way that you look at God? You know that it affects the way that you think about God? God is an anchor? Come on, pastor. It's kind of cheesy. It's really that? Is that the right? Is that the scripture? What version is that? Is that the Clan International version? <laughs> Number three, strength of faith makes a difference when it comes to assurance. Strength of faith. See, there's an important distinction between faith and assurance. But clearly, the two are closely related. Jesus spoke about great faith and little faith. Check that out. The strength of a person's faith, which may change and grow over time, will be a factor in the degree of assurance that he or she enjoys. Do you know that? If you have little faith 
and you bring that to God. God will bless it. But Jesus said, when you have a strength of faith and you bring it to God, God will use it. I'm not saying that you need to have bigger faith. What I'm saying is you need to bring to God all of you. I am not saying that if you don't have a lot of faith that God won't do the miraculous. I am saying that it impacts the assurance in your life. Some of us are negative people. You're just, you're just negative. I guess you were raised that way. You need to shake that off. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High King. You don't have to believe in negativity. You don't have to believe what the news is saying and all the craziness happening in Washington and all the national news and, well, you this, you voted for this person, and this is the president. Why are you doing this to yourself? You need to be anchored to Jesus. See, that's when assurance floods our souls and says, you know, everything's going to be okay. So in my last week and a half, that came to test. <laughs> and I knew the enemy was attacking, to be honest with you. Because about three weeks ago, I just felt like I was in such a good place with God. <laughs> I was like, you can bring anything you want. I'm going to bust a kneecap. <laughs> I mean, I really felt like that. I was like, you know what, I'm going to pray you out. But then he knew. And you guys know how much family means to me. You know how much my girls mean to me. And he knew. And right at the end of Christmas, the day after, Audrey gets hospitalized. Two of my other girls are sick. Stress is coming into your life. And you know what I did? I got angry at the devil. I did a little bit. And I got on my knees. I got it in my spirit. In fact, if I'm a little wound up today, excuse me, because <laughs> it's not you. <laughs> you know, it's really the devil. See, some of us, we have to get it inside of us that the assurance that comes from the anchor comes from Jesus. And it doesn't matter what the enemy throws at us. We need to push it back and say, I got full assurance that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I was pleading the blood of Jesus over everything and anything, and I'm like, we are coming out stronger than before. You are not distracting me in Jesus' name. I'm saying stuff while I'm driving, looking like I'm crazy talking to myself. I'm saying stuff while I'm flying, holding on to a two-month-old baby without mom around and saying, oh my goodness, I gotta take her to the pediatrician in Cleveland. We're in Lexington. I gotta take her back to mom and all the breastfeeding stuff and the infant formula, and I'm grocery shopping at 12 o'clock and midnight trying to get grossy to my kids because my mama needs rest and all this other stuff. I am saying, Jesus, you know what? All I need is you. All I need is you. And who cares if Walmart is closed at 12 a.m.? Giant Eagle's open. So I went to Giant Eagle. If you're a guest and you don't know me, I don't usually use personal stories like this. But the truth is, I want you to get this into your spirit, that you can have this assurance that when life is good and nothing's going on and health is good and the bank account's fine and kids are good and life is okay, you can be assured that God is who he said he is. And when life is crazy, you can be assured that God is who he said he is. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12 says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patient, patience inherit the promises. Maureen, if you could come up. So we have to learn to stay the course with committed faith because Jesus is ahead of us. You got to stay the course with committed faith. 
You know, we don't have to pay a price to be a Christian in America. We don't. And sometimes I think that works against us a little bit, you know, because we don't have to stay committed like folks in different countries where you can't preach Jesus. We have to learn to be committed and stay the course. Stop. Every time something happens, stop going to and fro. Stay committed. Stay committed. I know I'm running a little longer today. I want to really quick, really, really quick, I want to give you a few things that's going to help you find your way back to hope. If you're someone here today, you're saying, Pastor, I get it. I get what you're saying, and I want that in my life. In fact, I've been going to church for so long, and I want that in my life, Pastor. I want that. How do I get it? First is you say yes to Jesus. You say yes to Jesus. We know that. The second is I want you to do these few steps, just few steps before you get into January 7th. First is this, acknowledge your reality. Acknowledge your reality. Psalm 51, 5 and 6 says this, I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born, what you're after is truth from the inside out. Some of us, we just, we need to acknowledge where you're at. And in the presence of God, it's okay to be honest. Some of us, maybe you have a hard time doing this. Maybe you should ask somebody to share with you. Maybe you're so driven, you're a type A person, you don't like being told, people are scared to tell you. Because if they tell you, you're going to jump down their throat. Why don't you tell another person and say, look, I need your help in 2019. Would you, would you help me with who I am? Number two, Develop a plan. Jesus is our anchor, but what's the plan? What's the plan? Proverbs 27, 12 says, The prudent see danger, and they what? They take refuge. But the simple keep going and suffer for it. You need a plan. You need a plan. Number three, don't wait. Don't wait. Pretty soon 2019 can be just like 2018. Do it now. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. That's saving grace in our lives. Number four, humble yourself and ask God. This is something that is really, really crucial. Do you know that? I would believe God and his word before I believe myself. You should too. When you're in a place when you can't trust yourself and you can't trust what's on the outside and the voices... Open the word of God, read it, humble yourself and ask God and say, I need help. Holy Spirit, would you come to me right now? First Peter 5, 5 to 7 says this, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's who we serve. A loving, caring, and good father. I'm inviting you in the next 21 days to begin to pray and fast. I like giving God my first I love giving God my first. In fact, I feel like the more I do this, the more my year goes off in a better direction. You know, we've got prayer and fasting happening from Monday, January 7th, which is tomorrow, to January 27th. 
and you don't have to fast, you know, do a full fast. You can do a partial fast where you're just doing one meal and you're praying, using that time to pray and see God. You can do a social media fast. In fact, some of you know you young people in here, I'm just gonna be honest with you, you gotta stop, you gotta do a YouTube fast. You know, you gotta do a a uh, a TV fast. Some, some of you in here, you need to do a, a fast that's really gonna cost you something. It's really gonna say, God, I'm actually taking the first part of my year, believing that you're the anchor for my life and saying yes. To you. Wednesday nights, we're going to have prayer and worship. The altars are open all month long at the end of each service. The altars are open. You can come up and pray. You can come up and seek God. You can take this moment to say, God, I place my anchor in you. I'm making a decision and a choice to go after you. Wednesday nights, we're having prayer and worship at 7 p.m. We ought to have this many people here on Wednesday night, if not more. Every day between Monday and Thursday, we have a noon hour prayer. One hour, would you fast your lunch and come right here to this campus? All we're going to have is worship music. We're going to have some, a little bit of direction for the prayer. That's it, come pray with us. Also, we're doing email devotionals for 21 days starting tomorrow. If you're interested, grab a Connect card, fill it out, put your email on it. Make sure you give us the real email, right? And we'll email you a devotional. Why are we doing all these things? Because I want us to be in a place where we begin to get in our spirits that there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. I don't know what your situation is. There's hope. I don't know what your background is. There is hope. I don't know who let you down and who did not. There is hope in this anchor named Jesus. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you. We know your presence is here. We know that you're alive and well. and your peace. Lord, I pray for strength right now for those that are that have veered off the, the course, to stay the course and to be committed right now. Lord, I pray right now for those struggling with secret sin in their life. God, would you make a way out right now hope in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for a generation of sons and daughters who are away from you, who are raised in church, in your presence, but have walked away. I pray for hope in their lives. I pray for hope in the lives of the parents, the moms, and the dads and the grandmas and the grandpas. Hope, hope in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for financial struggles right now. I pray for hope, Jesus, hope, hope in the name of Jesus. Hope in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for wisdom for parents to raise their kids and for hope. I pray for hope with parents, with teenagers. I pray for hope in schools right now in the name of Jesus. Hope. Hope. If you're here today and this is your first time in church or first time in a long time in church, you feel something inside of you. In fact, you, you just told yourself, I'm, I'm going to go to church. I don't know anything about it. Or maybe you, you haven't been in, been in church for a long time. Maybe you've been in church and you're just far from God. 
I want you to know that there is hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. And that hope is in a church building. It's not a church name. It's not a denomination. It is in the person of Jesus that gave his life to you, for you, that through him that there is hope. If that's you today, and you're here today, and you're saying, Pastor, I need that hope in my life. I need that hope that God knows me by name. Friend, all you got to do is allow him to come into your heart and into your life and to allow him to be Lord of your life. That's all you got to do. You don't, you don't got to look the, the part. You don't got to play the part. All you got to do is say yes to the person.